Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the latest episode of the Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna. We've uh, we've been traveling for the last week. We were together in Phoenix, Arizona, where we somehow ran out of time to do a podcast, uh, and then then we were hanging out with various Notre Dame head coaches and administrators uh, in the All southeast. Over the place. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, I was with uh, Marcus Freeman at his alumni events in Tampa and Hilton Head this week. You were with him last night in Chicago, but then you were also in Amelia Island for ACC meetings. Um, and that leads us to our, our special mid-podcast interview with Notre Dame men's basketball head coach Mike Bray, who has a incredible like a piece de resistance story about the nameplate on George O'Leary's office door at Notre Dame. So if you listen to nothing else in this podcast, stick around for that. But uh, Matt, why don't we do Freeman first? Um, you went to the event in Chicago. What, I mean, what did you think sort of how he handled that room, how he worked that room? Um, just sort of your impressions of that part of the Marcus Freeman experience. He was great. Not surprising. Um, Chris Orich, um, Notre Dame great, hosted a, a conversation with him for, I don't even want to guess how many people are there, but there were a lot. And, um, you know, Mar- Marcus was great. I mean, it, w- it was interesting to see him interact with a questioner who was a letter winner who could talk about coming back for the spring game and pointing to other letter winners in the crowd about how different that is, not from the Brian Kelly era, just from every era in, in general, um, and just how welcome they all felt coming back to Notre Dame and, um, you know, Mark, Marcus Freeman, you know, I, I think he's, he hasn't said this to the media. I think he said at some of these other events, he said that was the first time where I felt like I, I was an outsider because mm-hmm. every single person in that room was an Notre Dame football player except for me. And I just wanted them to kind of do their own thing and learn from each other, whether it was a walk-on, whether it was a five-star, whether it was a Hall of Famer like Jerome Bettis or a, a guy who didn't play much, but, you know, is working for a Fortune 500 company right now. So that was um, interesting to hear. He got a little bit into the uh, – nitty gritty of the timeline of Brian Kelly leaving um, and him eventually becoming the head coach that week. Uh, Chris Zorich made the joke that uh, when you visit coach Holtz, uh, I can promise you he never got that warm of a reception from his locker room as you did <laughs> from, from your players. <laughs> when we, when we got in it, Freeman said, look, Jack offered me the job Wednesday night said, don't tell anyone but your wife. So I had to ignore every phone call. Uh, from the players who I love until I was introduced that morning. So that's 48 hours of like pent up emotion slash mystery slash excitement um, all captured, you know, in one viral video clip. So, it, you know, he, he knows how to work a room. I don't think anyone's surprised by that. Um, he talked a lot about recruiting, which obviously got a, a lot of applause, but not as big of an applause as him talking about uh, going to mass uh, yes. on the day of the game. That was the first uh, question sure. in the Tampa event. Um, it wasn't um, the first question, but it was like, that was the one that was got the biggest roar. His answer is probably similar to the one you saw, but it was pretty funny. 
Yeah. In the Tampa event, uh, one funny aside was Lou Holtz was supposed to be there, um, but he had, I think, a second back surgery, so he couldn't make it. So they had like a pre-recorded video, um, you know, welcoming Marcus to Tampa. And I think I'll paraphrase it, but uh, Holt said, you know, it's I've always, you know, felt my position as a former Notre Dame coach was to unequivocally support the head coach of the University of Notre Dame. And that's what I've tried to do. Pregnant pause. But I must admit that it is much easier with Marcus Freeman here uh, in Tampa to do that. So and that got a huge laugh. So. They also played in Tampa that um, I don't know if you've sort of seen the recruiting video yes. that's out there it's with good. the license plates and everything. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. Presidents um, past and present. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, that was that was sort of a hit. Um, you know, the mass was a hit, you know, mentioning Jerome Bettis and Stefan Tewitt coming back to graduate was a hit. Um, I, it was one thing I, I'd be interested to ask Marcus, and I probably will at some point, is just like if you come if he learned new stuff about Notre Dame um, during these events, because it's a different crowd at a different speed. Um, you're sort of in a different place. And I've been pretty impressed, like how quickly he seems to have educated himself on Notre Dame. Um, but I would think like somebody asked about the Dylan Hall pep rally in Tampa. And I'm like, does he even know what the hell that is? Like I'm, I'm he said guessing- he was talking to almost all the dorms. Okay. Not all of them yet, but he's gone to different dorm halls so far. So he might. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's done some of that stuff. Um, and yeah, the the mass. And then I think he even admitted like he just found out what a Subway alum was. So, I mean, there's definitely going to be some like Notre Dame lingo blind spots that get filled in over the years here. But, uh, you know, he's he's a, he's a smooth operator in those spaces. And um, I think unlike... I only went to one Brian Kelly event um, who is also very good in those rooms. Yeah. He is. I do, but I do think like Kelly turns that on and off. Um, whereas Freeman, I feel like it's kind of more of just a permanent on. Yeah. I don't. Um, I remember going to the one at the Drake and I think 2014 with Brian Kelly, as you said, like he can work a room with the best of them when he gets up there and turns it on. He's really good, but I don't know if it's like the, the jadedness of us, like knowing him, are covering him for as long as we did where we know when it's like yeah he's just saying this to yeah. please a crowd um, I think the best people at speaking at recruiting at selling are the ones who do it when you're subconsciously not thinking about it right and I think so far that's kind of been Marcus Freeman like everything comes across as genuine with him when he gets up there and, and talks about Notre Dame talks about recruiting talks about all the changes that are coming and uh, again New coach, as you'd expect, warm reception for him. But definitely when he talked about the changes, when he talked about uh, mass, when he talked about recruiting his family, uh, that stuff was was all welcome with open arms. All, yeah, all of that definitely resonated. I thought that, um, you know, the recruiting part with he, he's talked a lot about how, like, you have to be relentless about it. Um, and that when I spent some time with him before, the Tampa event, I just was curious about his schedule because I think we both sort of picked up on like, how do you like, how do you have 24 hours in your day? Um, mm-hmm. And he was actually like, it was just kind of no big deal to me. Like I went into the office, I worked till noon, we hopped on a flight, flew down to Tampa, met with a donor at the airport doing this event, stay here, more donors the next day, fly to Hilton Head, more donors, do the event, fly back. It's not... Um, and he said, like, I've always, I have to be working. Like, what am I going to do? Like sit around and watch TV? Like, 
while other people are working, like that's crazy. So I think he just sort of has this like work ethic all the time. Uh, and I did, I talked to somebody, he did New York the week prior and I talked Mm -hmm. to somebody who attended his Manhattan event and apparently he referenced twice how he doesn't golf. Um, I did not hear that in Tampa. Uh, probably wouldn't have played very well or Hilton had. Did he well, say Zor- it last Zor- time in Chicago? Zorich said, Tom Lemming always said, find me a coach who's a great golfer and I'll find you a poor recruiter. How's your golf game? And Freeman smiled and said, terrible. You, don't, you got nothing to worry about there. <laughs> yeah. So that, uh, I mean, that's part of it. I think he knows how to play to our crowd a little bit. But uh, I do th- with recruiting, I, I sort of asked him like, well, how do you schedule that? Um, he said, you know, I try to do, you know, roughly 10 calls a day, whether that's a coach, a player, a parent, you know, uh, an influencer in that recruitment. And he feels like he can have sort of meaning 10 meaningful conversations a day. That's not too many to do. Uh, I feel like that was sort of, that would be pulling teeth. Like that would be Brian Kelly's work nightmare. If you said we have these 10 calls for you to make. Um, so that's, that's definitely different. Uh, and then I think the other part, uh, I mean, he even referenced when he went to the green room at the draft, I asked him about that because they scheduled some FaceTime calls while he would be on TV while Kyle Hamilton was sitting there. Um, so even thinking about that, how do we maximize the time for impact? Um, they went to New York and they were at NBC for like kind of a media summit, you know, on the top of, I don't know what the building is where NBC is, but top of the uh, rock. yeah, it could have been the top of the rock. They're up there with, um, you know, Golick and, you know, it's Isaiah Foskey and, you know, New York night and everything in the summer. And he's FaceTiming guys and showing them the view. And like, here's Isaiah Foskey. Cause he's with me. Cause he's a dude like, you know, you're going to be, I want you to be here with me down the road. Like, and he talked about how it's like you, you got to find different things to talk about these guys with. You got to relate to them beyond like, how's your weekend? How's prom? How's your game? How's your spring practice? Um, so he's very intentional in sort of finding different talking points to latch on to where you can have a relationship that goes beyond just football coach trying to recruit football player. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, he called out Cole Komet was there last night. He called him out a couple of times. It's like, you know, ideal. Yeah. Recruiting, 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 right? If I don't have good players, I'm not going to be a good coach. He goes, that's why I'm a player's coach, right? That, that was his definition of it. Uh, but to your point, I mean, look, he's only human, right? Like, you know, burnout is a real thing. And I, I, we've both spoken to people in our name who are like, yeah, at some point he might not want to do this, right? Or he might get tired because like he's on this circuit and it's crazy. And, you know, he said, and he got asked, you know, in so many words uh, about that by Chris Orch. And he said, look, when I'm in Tampa, I'm visiting the Bucks facility, talking to people there. When we go out to Orange County, I'm going to visit with one of the NFL teams there. So it's not like I'm not working on these trips. The Chicago one, uh, you know, I had a joke. Hunter Bibbing was there. A couple other people from Notre Dame's traveling party were there. They flew. And I texted Hunter Bibbing when I got home because I live seven miles away from the Chicago Cultural Center where the event was last night. And Hunter Bibbing had been home for 20 minutes by the time <laughs> I texted him. So, um, but, you know, it's not um, – I'm sure the assistant coaches who are on the road recruiting would, would are envious and want that private plane treatment that we so often talk about on this podcast when they go to see recruits. But I feel you know, like NetJets should be a sponsor of our podcast, not yeah, just ESQ point. clothing, which I think we both enjoyed this week with our bamboo they, shirts. They were, they were there last night as yeah. well. I was not wearing my bamboo shirt and take it personal, but uh, it's not. Um, you know, he, he got asked to the recruiting point. He got asked about what was it like going against Luke Fickle in Cincinnati last year. 
And um, he spun that one well, which is essentially, you know, I'm not doing my players a service if I make it about me and another coach. But we lost that game. And if you watch the draft, since he had nine or ten players drafted, we had like three. That shouldn't happen. That's why we lost that game. Hopefully that won't happen again. Uh, you know, Cincinnati should not have more players drafted than Notre Dame. So, again, it all comes back to recruiting. Um, and I think that was music to the ears uh, of a lot of people there. The other thing that he said that I thought was interesting, um, at least was a good good story to tell at an event like this, and he may have said it at, at, um, at the events you were at. Um, he got asked about that alumni weekend and why he was inspired yeah, to bring so many people lot. back. And he talked about hitting – you know, his hotel room bed late at night one night, mm-hmm. wanted to watch 20 minutes of TV to unwind and stumbled across the ESPN CFB 150 episode about the history of Notre Dame and not being able to sleep that night and looking at all the great people who had come to that program before he did. And, and him and Hunter Bivin did an excellent job of making all those guys feel welcome back uh, during Blue Gold weekend. And, and by all accounts, it was a tremendous success. All right, let's uh, spin it forward to uh, Notre Dame's other programs. <laughs> Mike Bray in particular, I, but give our listeners a little setup of like the the professional uh, tactics used to set up this interview with Mike Bray at the pool. <laughs> Very professional, right? Well, Bray, it's funny. I I saw him coming out of so spring ACC spring meetings. You know, for the, the clip notes version, it is every athletic director, football coach, men's women's basketball coach, senior women administrators, a few other faculty athletic representatives, a few key figures from each ACC school go there. And it's always ironic when their names there because they're the only one without a football coach there. And we're all waiting outside the meeting rooms when all these different sectors are meeting. And there's always a time every day where Jack Swarbrick just comes out and then just goes sits by himself because they're talking football and he's recused from that since he's not representing an ACC football program and doesn't have voting power when it comes to schedules and, and things of that nature. But Mike Bray comes out uh, the other day, we see each other, we start chatting up a little bit. Next thing you know, a bunch of reporters are there and we turn our reporters on. And um, as I'm sure everyone saw by now, he, uh, I wouldn't say go scorched earth. It went kind of the opposite of scorched earth. It was like, Hey, let's stop complaining. We make a lot of good money. Um, you know, let's embrace NIL. You know, the, the Ritz didn't pay for itself here. We're, we're, we're treated pretty well. Um, and, and that was uh, conveyed to me in so many terms as directed at, a couple specific colleagues of his who are always not in Notre Dame, but in the coaching profession, who are always complaining about how hard their jobs are and how NIL is written in the sport and this and that. And, you know, Mike Bray, you know, I'm really glad Notre Dame won this year because we get that version of Mike Bray and it's fun to watch. And yep. that's who he genuinely is. And if you're not winning, like it's very easy to say, well, this is why you're not winning, right? Like you're, you're too loose. Uh, but when you're winning, it's awesome, and that's recruiting gold. He's going to have his first one and done this year. Who gets drafted? Uh, you know, they had that that first four showcase all to themselves against Rutgers with a great game. Um, and you know, Mike Bray's just Mike Bray. And I saw him afterward. I said, "Hey, what, when are you out of here?" I think it was Tuesday. He said, "I'm staying till Thursday just because we flew with Jack." Uh, most of the other basketball coaches left already. And I said, "Want to sit down in the lobby for a podcast?" And he said, "Sure. Uh, just find me tomorrow. We'll do it." And I saw him earlier in the day and he looked like he was going to the beach or something. And I didn't want to bring it up. And he just said, Hey Matt, how about that podcast today at three 30 or whatever <laughs> it was. And I said, sure. And then I realized Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner was speaking. And so I ran out to Mike um, in the hotel lobby and I said, Hey, I hate to do this to you. You got to go. You got to go. But the commissioner is holding his press conference now. And he's like, hey, I'm just going to go outside, order some food. Let's just do it. Facing the beach. Come out whenever you're ready. 
And sure enough, he's there and he's ordering a burger right before we uh, we sit down. And funny enough, Jack Swarbrick and his wife were at another table kind of looking at us while we were recording this uh, throughout <laughs> much of the much of the time as well. But well, I guess Mike so, was, uh, Jack, Jack doesn't need to listen to the podcast. He already knows what Bray said. Yeah, yeah. I think he has an idea what Bray would say with any of this um, as well. So Mike Bray, it's funny, all the all the people who aren't as familiar with their name as, as me and you are like, man, he was great today. Wow. Like. Is he always like that? I'm like, yeah, he actually is always like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was even better when when I sat down with him uh, for the interview you guys are about to listen to. So I, I think I've done enough talking. We'll let Coach Mike Bray take it away from here. Pleased to be joined now by Notre Dame head men's basketball, basketball coach Mike Bray. We are the back seating area overlooking Ooh. the beach and the water at the lovely Ritz-Carlton and Amelia Island here for ACC spring meetings. Mike, you seem to be enjoying yourself here, but you definitely seemed like a guy who wanted to get some things off your chest yesterday yeah. when you met with us after your first meetings with your fellow basketball peers. Hey, Matt, after 22 South Bend winners, this is pretty good looking out over the ocean. And, and, and yeah, you know, it was first of all, it was great to be in person. We haven't been in person in these meetings for two years. And to kind of talk through some things and, you know, certainly transfer portal and name, image, and likeness. And maybe the, the thing that dominated the basketball coach's room, Matt, was how come we only got five bids? There's panic in the streets when the Big Ten gets nine and the SEC gets eight or whatever and we get five. And, of course, we made our bed because we didn't do much in the non-league. But, uh, you know, I, I think my comments yesterday as uh, as I've worked through it with my staff since July 1 when name, image, and likeness was made legal, official, um, you know, there you heard so much. And obviously there's some amazing deals out there for young people. Uh, I'm almost, you know, like I, I just think we've got to adjust and stop complaining about it and, and try and use it to our advantage at Notre Dame. And... Uh, and, you know, Jack Swarbrick has been very aggressive and creative in trying to help our student-athletes maximize this. Um, it's not supposed to be used in recruiting, but it has been. They're going to try and dial that back. I think that's going to take some time to do that. We never wanted boosters involved in recruiting. You know, it was like rule number one in, in the 700-page in the NSA handbook. So, you know, there's got to be, you know, there's got to be some ways to kind of form this and, and do this. In the midst of that, you know, whining, pointing fingers, complaining, uh, you know, it doesn't do any good. And uh, as I said yesterday, last time I checked, we we're all making a pretty good living in this coaching profession. The, the Ritz here didn't pay for itself is no, what you're saying. <laughs> exactly right. And, you know, certainly the, the big... Ten and the, and the SEC is in the midst of a, a huge TV deal, and you know we're trying to improve ours and with new leadership, uh, Jim Phillips. You must be happy to have him here. He used to be your sport administrator yeah. when he was at Notre Dame as an assistant AD. What's it like to have him running the league that you're a part of now? I'm really excited having him back. It's been about a year. Number one, he's a basketball guy. You know, as you said, he was my sport administrator from my first three years. And he was great. He thought for you. He was creative. He could read your mind because he was a basketball coach. Uh, and and so I think that's an advantage for us. I think it's going to take some time for him to put his fingerprints on it. Um, but he's also an amazing worker. He's a machine. 
I think any of our coaches, forget basketball or football, uh, a women's softball coach called him at 10 o'clock at night. He's probably going to take the call. Uh, so, and, he, and he wants to prove himself to, to the ACC and the coaches in the league. So I, I think it's good timing, and he's on the transformation committee. He was on the end. He's in the he's in the middle of everything in college athletics, and you know he can see around corners a little bit with this stuff, and so I think that really helps us. What did what was the biggest takeaway you got from why the ACC was so quote unquote disrespected? I mean, you had two Final Four yeah. teams, three in the Elite Eight. You guys were darn near yeah. close to being there in the Sweet Sixteen, but you barely got in as a two seed. In your own conference, what, what do you think the ACC basketball brand needs to, to do to grow? Well, Dan Gavitt sat with us, and he was prepared to be peppered by our league and why a, a wake in a Virginia with winning records in the ACC didn't get in. And he said, you guys were 3-16 and 16 in November and December in, in your power games. And we really can't argue. I, I've been down this road before. Some of our younger coaches, it's new to them. And Steve Forbes had a heck of a year at Wake Forest. But if you don't get something done, not only individually in non-league play, but a couple teams, then none of them have any power when you get into the 20-game schedule. And you don't have enough quad one wins like the Big Ten did like the Big East did that year we got 11 teams in, uh, like the SEC and the Big 12 did. We we didn't take care of our business. Really, our Kentucky win got us probably in there. But yet, we played St. Mary's. We played Illinois. We played Texas A&M. And we played Indiana. Uh, So we, we, we played five horses. We got one of them. And that probably saved our backside at the end of the day. If you don't schedule enough and there's a balance point i get it but if you don't schedule enough power in the non-league it's going to come back to bite you right now i think moving forward bubba cunningham one of our own is uh, on the committee and i think one of the things they're trending back toward more they got away from last 10 last 12 games i think that's going to come back into the picture because again i understand november i get that but if somebody's rolling down the stretch like Notre Dame men's lacrosse (laughs) and and there's another example Um, is there an eyeball test are there some basketball people I I made a comment today with the ADs the NIT committee has more basketball people on it because they have former coaches than the NCAA tournament committee Hmm. actually the Miami AD made a comment about Ty Willingham and there's another former coach on the CFP that they could say, all right, let's step back from those computers and net and this and go, this team right now has the look. I think, and we pounded the table for this for a while, I, I think our basketball committee could do a better job of that. Getting, They don't have to be on the committee. Could they be consultants? And, and uh, maybe moving forward, with Jim Phillips, who was on the basketball committee. Supposed to lead it this year. Yeah, he was supposed to lead it. And thank you. And thank Bubba, you. Bubba Cunningham, you know, maybe maybe we can do that. It's funny you mentioned lacrosse. I mean, Boo Corrigan was here uh, yeah. this week. We spoke to him. His brother, he's a Notre Dame man. His brother, Kevin Corrigan, obviously is the, the head men's lacrosse coach in Notre Dame. And Boo himself is now the chair of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. And I asked him, like, 
is there anything translatable from one committee to another, tournament to tournament? And he said, with football, like you said, there is the eye test, whatever that means. And clearly that was ignored yeah. with lacrosse, and you know, we'll see how that changes or doesn't change in the years to come with basketball. But, I mean, for you, Jim Beheim's not here this week. I guess that makes you and Leonard Hamilton the <laughs> yeah. two old heads here, right? Are Leonard, you bigger voices? Leonard was on Zoom. And, oh, he was not here either. He okay, wasn't yeah. here either. And, and so, so you media guys couldn't corral us to him <laughs> or Beheim or Mike K or Roy. Yeah, there's, it's a different room. You know, it's a different room with uh, some of the old guard not there. And, and, and again, you know, I've been in president of the NABC and, and uh, I've been on the rules committee. And, and, you know, you try and give your input and, and lead. But I've always tried now, as I've gotten to be a more experienced coach, to have a little bit of a level head and not overreact to things. And, and certainly transfer and NIL can make you really overreact and not work with your kids and your team you know in the midst of all of it like i said yesterday matt kids want to be coached and and you know you know certainly you have to speak to this nil kids want to be the best they can be as basketball players they want to win too they really want to win managing them through that uh is is what keeps me going and and you know at notre dame i still think maybe Maybe we're going to be one of the last bastions of that old way of doing things where guys want to go to school. I've got seven guys getting degrees on Sunday in the stadium. I, I, I can't wait to tweet that picture out, Matt, because that's it. I want to say, isn't this what we're all about? And, and, and I still think we can be competitive and do it that way. And we have been. And, and, uh, you know, but, but, Again, we, 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 we've got to stay in the middle of it. And, again, I give Jack Swarbrick a lot of credit. He's he's aggressive. He's creative. I know maybe that doesn't always go over well um, with our mission and, and under the dome. But uh, there's got to be a way of figuring this out down the middle. Did, did this year, with the, the, not just the success you guys had, but the way you did it and the way you finished, Rejuvenate you? Are you going to go longer, maybe now than than maybe you thought you would have entering the year? I think so. I mean, Matt, there's no question. We we needed a year to get our momentum back. Well, I we needed a good year. I needed a good year. You know, this place has been very very good to me. I'm never going to overstay my welcome. If I'm not effective anymore, I'll be ready to move to Sarasota and coach my grandsons. But we we I think it started, Matt, with our recruiting in the fall. You know, we needed to start it with a really good recruiting class and I'm excited about the three young men that are coming in and then we carried it over into our play and um, and so yeah I think I think you kind of feel like okay we got juices flowing there's an ebb and flow in this profession as I said also yesterday look man it's high risk high reward and we all know what we signed up for I think it's a pretty good gig I've been a head coach this will be 28 29 years coming up I've been really really fortunate but I also know what comes with the territory, and uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited with where we're at, who's coming back, who's coming in, um, coaching staff. Uh, you know, I, I love how our students and the Leprechaun Legion got involved. I had to jump on dining hall tables to do it, and I'll tell you what, I will do it every year. When I can't jump on a, a dining room table in South Dining Hall 
to get the students fired up, then it's time to retire. But I still got some juice. Now, my back's a little sore because I'm 63 doing that now. But, but uh, uh, yeah, I love doing it. And, you know, with the other distractions of college athletics, when you do get on the floor with your guys, then you go, okay. That brings your energy back and, 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 and you, you, you keep working. And I'm excited, you know. Not quite yet, but June 12th, I'll be ready for practice to start. <laughs> to, to have your first one and done in the history of Notre Dame, and not just, you know, you say one and done and you assume it's a high school kid who's already destined for the pros. This was not your typical five-star recruit. This was a great development and growth story in a very short period of time. What's that mean for yeah. Notre Dame basketball? It, it, it's an amazing story in that he is from right there in South right. Bend and South Bend City Schools. Um it's weird because, Matt, when we signed him, he couldn't make an official visit. He couldn't play pickup with our guys. I couldn't even go. and I never saw a game his senior year after we signed him because of COVID. I used to watch the local news and see clips. Well, Blake Wesley had 42, and I'd watch a clip, and I'd go, wow, that, man, he does that? Because I lost track of him. I didn't see him face-to-face. I wanted to meet him in the mall a couple times just to see him. He's my neighbor. But then the first week of practice of summer school, after the second practice, our staff was like, okay, there's something here. And it's such a great story. I don't think he was going to thinking I'm going to be here one year. He knew he needed time. I think he always thought he was going to be an NBA player, which is what makes him good. And I think his parents felt that in a constructive way, a very constructive way. And he's trending toward the lottery. And I, I tip my cap. And I, you know, around February 1st, I told my staff in a meeting, I said, this one's trending. It's time. We need to help him and let him go. It's time to strike. And they didn't all agree with me. And I, I wish I had a nickel for everyone said, well, he's not ready. He needs another year. No, he doesn't. Um, he's going to be worth probably $10 million on draft night, and the rest will be hit. And, he, and he's focused, and he's there. So, I, you know, I told him, I said, the only thing I have, Blake, is I need a seat at the green room. And he said, Coach, I got you covered. So the draft night will be exciting. Draft night will be exciting because Jaden Ivey, yep. Neil Ivey, myself, two guys from South Bend are going to go in the top 20. Are you kidding me? That's really cool. Neil uh, and I were talking about that today. So, uh, again, I, I don't think that's who we are, one and dones, but I certainly have an open mind. And after having one of them, we've had some kids reach out that probably aren't four-year guys. who are like, oh, that's a new different pool of players reaching toward us, so let's capitalize. What's the relationship been like with, with Coach Neal Ivey? You know, her second year, not the easiest of circumstances when she's taking yeah. over mid-COVID, following a, a literally living legend who's in the Hall of Fame. How has she bounced ideas off you? How have you tried to help well, her I, keeping it? Yeah, I, 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 I love her. And I tell you what, talk about a tough job following Muppet um, and and doing it in the COVID year, in year number one when everything was sideways. But I told her at the end of the season, I said, culture established this year, year two. And, and, and I think she's found her rhythm and her footwork and her step. And, and she is so good with the young ladies and she recruits her backside off, and they got all the key players coming back, and I think she's off to the races, and and I have a lot of respect for her. She's got a great toughness about her to take this job 
and 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 be you know on the back end of Muffet and jump in there. Uh, and so uh, we actually had lunch today and and caught up because we had. Better. I hope your burger is not getting too oh, no, cold no. here while we I'm chat. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> hey, actually, Jack Swerbrick's taking out taking us to dinner tonight, so we're going to order some. I'm ordering all the good stuff later, <laughs> but uh, but I'm getting my snack to get there. Um, so we, you know, I, I'm really thrilled about Neil and, and and embarrassingly, I'm looking forward to meeting Marcus Freeman. Our paths just haven't crossed because he hasn't been at Notre Dame very long, and uh, but we're going to get some time here uh, in June to to hang out a little bit. I figure when you're in Dayton, he would he's from Dayton. I figured he'd give you all the bar recommendations on yeah. St. Patrick's Day there. Yeah, no, no. If he wasn't busy with his stuff, getting ready. Well, actually, spring ball it started that started, next day. Yeah. Started that day, and uh, you know, so so uh, I, I'm excited. I'm I'm very excited about his energy, and you know, watching how the players have reacted to him and did at the announcement that, that that says it all right there i mean he's he connects i think he did a great job with his coaching staff putting his setting his coaching staff up so any way i can help him you know about and, and tell him about being a head coach and working at notre dame just like whitney l I, I almost feel i'm a resource if you need me i was gonna say we talked about this a little bit before but this is football coach number six <laughs> of the yeah. mike bray yeah. era yeah Outside of the last one, you know, it didn't work out so great for, for, for most of them. I mean, when you do get a chance to sit down with Marcus, what do you hope to share with him about what works and doesn't work at this place? Well, I think the biggest thing is to be himself. I and mean, I think he's gotten great advice from his football mentors and our AD about, hey, look, you you, you got to find, and Neil, you got to find who you are. You can't be Muffet. Um, he's certainly not going to be Brian Kelly. <laughs> that's a good one, right? Um, Brian Kelly never came on this podcast. Yeah, but no, Tommy no, Reese and Marcus Freeman and now that's Mike Trey. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, he, he and we're gonna. Hey man, we gotta ride. You know, when I was when I got my head job at Delaware, you know, I made my mistakes. They weren't on ESPN, and I screwed some things up in the early years. Marcus is how about his opener? You know, I mean, he's in. I mean, he's right there on the stage, but he's kind of built for it. He played at that level. He's been around. He's been around the scene. He's been. He, he's young and energetic in the changes of college athletic and athletics and recruiting. And and I think it's going to really pay dividends for us. And he wants to be here. He's embraced our mission. I think in one year. He quickly learned our mission's a little different, man, and you can't change Notre Dame. Uh, but there's a lot of good, great things to sell, and I think he's found that niche. So uh, whatever he needs, I'm there, and, and, and you know, maybe I'll, he'll talk me off the ledge next year if we lose a tough one. Well, you'd said around this time last year, I need, I need to get my Marcus Freeman. I need a hotshot defensive coordinator, so to speak, to yeah. help Notre yes. Dame basketball yes. get back. Yes. And you found that. Anthony Solomon, so clearly the, the yeah. impact was felt pretty immediately, I guess, across multiple sports. No question, and you know, Anthony Solomon's third stint with us, and, and he, he was the answer to helping us defensively. We've always been good offensively and understood how to play, and I think we've played the right way, but we've been in and out of being good enough, competent enough defensively, and we made great strides this year. And Anthony came at the right time. Ryan Humphrey has grown with us. I took him as a young guy with no experience. He is so gifted. And and Tony Weish, and Tony Weish is just a grind. You know, he he worked at that mid-major level. And I remember from my Delaware days, and 
you're grinding, man, every day. And so we we, we really have done a, a good job there. My trainer that I hired, Nick Cernovillian from the NBA, Tony Relinsky, I, I feel we've got really great fabric there. And I love who we got coming back. You know, we got a group group coming back. We talked about our incoming guys. Nate Lashevsky has till June one to. I think it's fifty fifty, and and we're here for him. And I think we can help him. You know, and help him get better. He's not going to get drafted, but he knows that he's not out there unrealistically. But take advantage of this and do this. And uh, Marcus uh, uh, Hammond, uh, who we we signed from. Uh, uh, Niagara, I think, gives us a veteran guard. You lose Hub, who was a veteran. There's another veteran, and still looking around in the portal for some size. Um, but I, I like where we're at, and, and uh, so summer will be great. That we get to work with them in summer now, and we have more access, really helps us, Matt. Talk about time passing by. It's got to make you feel old to see your first point guard coach your former school to the NCAA tournament this year, Martin Inglesby. I was, I was very proud of him. You know, I, I pounded the table hard with everybody in Delaware, as did Governor Christie, uh, <laughs> who's a Delaware grad, and that's why we've gotten connected. Well, uh, what was he doing for the Rutgers game with you? Yeah, my you question. Know, and, you know, and you know, he didn't come. He didn't come. He, did, he didn't come, but I, there's no question he was rooting for Notre Dame. <laughs> and and uh, he got in trouble with that before when we played him in the Big East. He had a Notre Dame shirt on, and, and uh, when he was officially the governor. Um, but, but Martin has got it. He's gifted. He's good. He he's he always had that it factor, and and he's built it. You know, unlike me, when I was at Delaware, this transfer phenomena hurt him in previous years. Or I think he may have two or three NCAA tournament bids. But he finally was able to keep a group together, and they were old, and they played really well at the right time. And you know, he's got a great job, and he's got good people around him, and. I told him, I said, don't, don't, don't get crazy. The job's open, and do I need to move? Just, 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 you're good, man. And and, uh, but very, very proud of him. My first point guard doing it, and and uh, we were rooting hard for him that night. I can't let you go. I know you got to eat, but I can't let you go without asking you on air what you told me uh, off air a little bit earlier. Uh, the mystery of the missing name plaque of head football coach George Ordleary at Notre Dame. I think Rod Belanis has that name plate. And it was a great story. I was filming my TV show with Jack Nolan at WNDU, and Anthony Solomon, in his first stint with me, texted me and goes, uh, I don't think Coach O'Leary's going to be here anymore. And I'm like, well, what are you talking Something's going on. And so we get back, and certainly it's a tornado around the jack and I'm hiding we got the conference room shut media's looking hey, can we get a comment I said like, I don't even know what's going on and we sat in there and they had already put the nameplate up George O'Leary in the football office which was my office for a while before we all moved out and I said and we were saying somebody better go down there and take that nameplate that is going to be valuable so I say Balanus has that he may want to put it on eBay yeah, someday but uh, one of the great stories in my tenure, and, and Marcus is football coach number six. And, uh, uh, you know, I just kind of, <laughs> you just kind of ride the wave with him. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the time, Coach. We'll Thanks, catch up Matt. again soon. Thank you. All right, Matt. Uh, fine journalism getting to the bottom of the missing George O'Leary nameplate. <laughs> that 
an early contender for my favorite anecdote of the year and also one that our bosses may force us to write about in depth later. Well, you think our bosses will. Brett McMurphy came over after and he said the same thing. Then Brett McMurphy works for the Action Network. And I don't know if you know who his boss is. It's Darren Ravel, who knows a thing or two or thinks he knows a thing or two about memorabilia. And I'm shocked um, he hasn't made Brett write about that or find it for him to to get graded and, and sold on eBay at some point. But Good for Avalanis. Um, yeah, have a small fortune there. I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, may have to may have to put that up for auction at some point. I, you know, I don't know if there's anything that Bray said that like was that shocking. We know him. We know how he speaks. We sort of know his opinions on this stuff. But and it, I guess maybe if there was anything, it was that Blake Wesley's suddenly a lottery pick. I didn't, I didn't think that was where that was trending. But admittedly, I don't follow NBA draft group think all that uh, all that closely i was not yeah I, I in season like i thought there was a chance hey this guy could be a one and done mm-hmm. i wasn't tracking the draft boards as closely as some others um but yeah to hear mike Bray say it that way was interesting especially when you look at kind of the not exactly smooth way the announcement came out when he decided to declare i think Bray that day had gone on a radio show and said you know no decision yet we'll wait and see but um you know he said it on the show and it hadn't dawned on me um, depending on where Blake gets drafted, we all know Jaden Ivey's going to be a top pick, but two high draft picks who are from South Bend, um, which is pretty darn impressive for, for that little town. I, I don't say that condescendingly. I say that because it's not what people think of when you think of Indiana basketball and, and some of the great players that have come from the state. It's not a bad recruiting tool uh, if you're Mike Bray or if you're an EL Ivey. I mean, that, that, that's pretty cool. It's, uh, you know, this is a very inside South Bend but Blake played at Riley High School, which is just north of Ewing Avenue. Um, before Jaden transferred to Lalu, he played at Marion, which is on Dragoon, which is actually Ewing. If you just go, the name changes if you go far enough east. So the fact that they essentially played two or three miles from each other for a minute is pretty wild when you think about um just how close they and connected. And like when Jaden transferred to Lalu, that's, that's about 35 minutes West of here too. So it, um, yeah, all the, the local connections there are, it's pretty cool. I mean, that Bray is right. That's uh that's a pretty unique moment for South Bend basketball. Yeah. And you look at the recruiting class coming in and some of the pieces coming back from last year's team. I mean, there's, I feel weird saying this, but like, I feel like Notre Dame basketball, men's basketball, historically has been like the king of like undersell and over deliver in some ways because they're never on any preseason radars and that's usually when they're great and the few times they have been highly ranked or highly touted coming in the season it hasn't always worked out for them but they're going to be real expectations around this program going into next year and, and you know Bray touch on this a little bit but that league is a lot different now I mean look Carolina Duke yeah. is still Carolina Duke but like there's a lot of oxygen for the taking in that in those rooms in that conference with no more Roy Williams with no more Coach K who knows how much longer Jim Beheim and, and Leonard Hamilton have left in them. But um, it's interesting to see like how much burnout have we seen in coaching, particularly college basketball coaching with Jay Wright mm-hmm. um, retiring uh, with, you know, the aforementioned names the last couple of years and to see a guy who's, you know, probably the same age, if not older than Jay Wright and Mike Bray, even if you might not look at it, cause no one looks as good as Jay Wright. Uh, <laughs> still having his wits about him and still having fun with this thing and, and realize being self-aware enough to realize, Hey, if I ever get to the point where I am complaining about this stuff, 
that's when it's time for me to go and move down to Florida with my grandkids. Yeah, no doubt about that. So on that note, this wraps up uh, a travel edition of the Shamrock uh, <laughs> since we've been all over the country. Uh, yeah. And I believe we, we bumped into a former Shamrock guest, Clark Lee, while we were in Arizona. We did. We did. Um, and and, and I, uh, Jordan Cornette uh, this week as well actually walked by when okay. I was talking to Mike. I tried to tell Jordan, I love you, but, but Brave might have been a better guest than you. Nothing yeah. personal. Shamrock <laughs> guests. They're everywhere and doing great things as as we are. We expect them to do. So uh, until Listen to next... Mike, Mike Monaco on the Stanley Cup playoffs on oh, ESPN while we're at it. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I mean, if we have Marcus on, where can he go from here? I don't even, I don't even know. Like that, that may, that we may be what puts Notre Dame over the top for national championship. There we we go. The There's a great selling point. Yeah. So Marcus, you'll have to appear on our show at a later date. So uh, we will be back probably in a couple of weeks. Um, now that we're kind of in off season mode here, book some guests, uh, but there's still plenty to talk about with Notre Dame football and athletics as there always is. So until our next episode, he's Matt. I'm Pete. Thanks for being with us on the latest episode of the Shamrock. <laughs>